call is being recorded. Hey, James. Hey, Chloe. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. Uh, hold on. Let me just make sure all our tech issues are covered. If there's anything you want edited out, we can for sure if it's too personal. Okay. What are you going to ask me? <laughs> <You're> gonna... <laughs> <laughs> How deep are you going to go with this interview? <laughs> well, I don't know. Sometimes people start talking and then they don't stop and they go back 10 minutes and they say to themselves, oh, shoot, let's take that out. <laughs> okay. Did you take any psychology classes? I mean, are you a professional interviewer? Uh, not professionally, but as a hobby of mine, yes, I love psychology exploring nuanced conversation because of what I was seeing in society and our culture today is people don't know how to communicate and they don't know how to accept other opinions and they just shun them out. So I thought it would be a good example and experiment uh, to bring people of all walks of life together to just talk. Yeah, yeah. Well, communication is a must. You know, and um, it's it's difficult. It's a crapshoot at best. His wife have a a nice piece of property. I wanted to get out to the country after you know being in the city, in New York. I lived for you know, all my life, and then in L.A. I was there for 12 years. I wanted to get out and enjoy nature a little more. And what is your day to day like up there? I wake up. It's not really that all that much different. I don't. I just have other I don't I'm not teaching so mm-hmm. I you know wake up early I have my coffee I do my practice uh have a little bite to eat and then I go out and maintain the property oh, you know I have a wood burning stove that's what I heat the house with so it's a constant process of of keeping that in circulation and maintaining the roads and I have two out properties that I uh I'm rehabbing I have in a a couple of apartments in town that I have to take care of as well. There's always something to do on the ranch. Always something to do. Can you talk a little bit about your background with yoga and New York? And I know you were a firefighter in New York. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, I was a fireman. Uh, my dad was a fireman, so I came from a cop fireman family. Uh, my dad had did 28 years on FDNY. I got on the uh, FDNY in 86. So, you know, just to reflect on what's happening in society now with the COVID crisis, when I was a fireman, it was when the AIDS epidemic was coming through. It was when the crack epidemic was coming through. It was the highest murder rate in the country. Uh, In New York City, there was 25... 2,600 murders a year happening in New York, and it was just insane. And then when the AIDS hit, they had to teach us about PPE, about putting on gloves, about covering face shields, about how not to use a device for uh, mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. So this is all reflecting back for me about what I went through uh, during the time I was a fireman. Wow. Yeah. So that was that was the beginning. And we were, you know, busy. We were going through a lot of fires and emergencies. And I enjoyed it. 
You know, I enjoyed being, I worked in a very busy uh, fire company in East New York, Brooklyn. That was the thing to do, you know. All different types of emergencies you could only imagine, you know. Fires were were there, and then there was, you know, automobile uh, extrications and accidents, elevator emergencies, plane crashes. I've been to both uh, World Trade Center um, disasters. They, they tried to blow up the World Trade Center in 93, driving a, a car, a van filled with explosives, and then we had the plane, the plane um, come into the towers. I was out of a job by that time, but I was in New York. I was already going back and forth to India, and uh, my guru was teaching in New York. I decided not to go in that day, and I got the call uh, from a friend of mine that the that uh, a plane had run into the towers. At that time, I knew it was a, a terrorist attack, and I called my ex-wife to have her take my daughter home from school, and I headed into the city. And I worked for three days in Brooklyn, and I went into the scene. And I then I started looking for some friends, and I, then I, when I saw the army there, you know, I was three days into it, I kind of snapped out of it and said, okay, you know, they don't they can handle this without me. <laughs> I'm not that important, you know. And shortly thereafter, uh, they finished, they opened up downtown Manhattan, and Guruji uh, Sabi Joyce was, was there, and he started teaching again. And he says, uh, when are you coming back? I said, well, I'll meet you. I'll meet you in India. And a few months later, it was my third trip. It was, I think it was October, October or November of, of uh, 01. And it was deserted. India was deserted. There was nobody there. I mean, the Shala, which is normally has, you know, a few hundred people, there was eight of us, you know. Nobody was, was traveling. It was uh, it was like a ghost town. We were the only Westerners in in, in all of Mysore, and on the, the planes were empty. And that was my six, first six month stay. The first time I went to India was '99. I was um, I was uh, working at Jiva Mukti. I was doing their teacher training. It was for in '98 into '99, and we had a little break in the summer. So we all decided, a few of us decided to go to Mysore and study with Batabi Joyce. And then I was going to do a month with Batabi Joyce and then travel around. And right away we, we clicked. We had a connection. And I said, I'm not going anywhere. You know, the search was over for me. You know, I found a, my teacher. I knew it was the end of an era. You know, he came from a very poor family. He went to Mysore to study at the... Sanskrit college. He was Brahmin, so all the Brahmin boys would go and learn you know, proper Sanskrit. And that's when he met his teacher, and he was there. So it was very traditional upbringing. You know, he would uh, he would go to different Brahmin houses for his meals, and beg, you know, knock on the door with a a bowl, a begging bowl, and 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 they would feed him. 
and he grew up and wound up teaching at the college and teaching teaching uh, yoga there as well because his teacher went back to Chennai and he took over the the program you know when i met guruji it was it, it, it was you know it was, it was like a no brainer i said okay you know he had said some things to me that you know nobody else would know and I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to stay. So I stayed for two and a half months. And then I came back a year later and they came back to New York. I still had a young child and uh, visited my family. And then it all happened with 9-11. And uh, I decided to, to really throw myself into it. I had gotten a job at Jiva Mukti in uh, the Lower East Side running the teacher program. Now I was teaching there. Uh, and and also managing the, the teachers, you know, it was over. It was the biggest yoga school in, in the Eastern Hemisphere. I thought back in the ninety late nineties, there wasn't a lot of yoga around, and that was the spot. You know, they were really had were onto something. Um, Eddie was teaching Ashtanga only. Jiva Mukti had a, a Ashtanga yoga program as well as their own method of uh, of yoga asana. I, I left Jiva Mukti. I said, this is, is too much. I was taking away from my practice. And they were, they were taking away the Ashtanga program there to fill it in with their method. They decided to go full on with their method. There was a big schism almost. You know, a lot of the teachers left and started practicing uh, with Eddie Stern. A lot of people went on their own and opened up different yoga schools. I went back to India and started doing a series of six-month trips to India. At that time, you had your visa. It was only good for six months. I had, a te- I had gotten a 10-year visa. And so, okay, after six months, um, you were ready to go back, <laughs> ready to go back home. So I would, I would come back to New York. I would visit with my family and then maybe go to California, and then back to Mysore. So I did that for a long time. Um, I did that up until uh, 06, when I was just covering teaching in L.A. I was covering uh, a three-month position, and um, that I was supposed to go to uh, Europe and teach, and then to Asia and, and back to India. And I was in the Hollywood farmer's market, Christmas Day, buying in shorts and sandals, buying tomatoes. And I said, uh, I'm not going anywhere. I'm mm-hmm. not going back to, I'm not going to go to Europe in February. Forget it. So I decided to, to buy the shala and, and start uh, teaching the program. And then I would go three months, three months a year from 06 to uh 16, 15, I'd go three months a year to India to work on my practice, come back, and, and teach traditional methods. And that's what Guruji wanted his teachers to do. He wanted us to do a traditional martial Ashtanga Yoga practice where you teach uh, six days a week. You take the uh, Saturdays off and the new moons and full moons off. And, and teach that method. And that was uh, the way to do it. And that was what we did for a while. And it was a lot of fun. You know, up at 3 o'clock in the morning, 
doing my puja, my my uh, my chanting and my pranayama, and then my my yoga practice. I was doing advanced series Ashtanga yoga, and then I go into the shala about six thirty and teach to about eleven eleven thirty. Have my first meal at about noon, and then cruise, rest for a while, do whatever studying I had to do, whatever I wanted to do. Have my second meal at about five, and I was in bed at eight, and then up again, and uh, away we went. Can you talk a little bit about the benefits of a traditional practice? Yeah, there's many benefits, which which is really a side of which is really a side effect of, of the practice. Ashtanga Yoga method is designed scientifically to safely raise your levels of consciousness. You know, there's two ways of becoming or pathways to enlightenment. One is kind of a laid-back bhakti approach where you just, you know, devotion to God. It could be karma yoga. You know, it could be bhakti yoga, uh, you know, selfless service, like, like Mother Teresa. You know, just put me in India with dying babies, and she devoted her whole life to, to that. You know, but at some point, you may or may not receive different levels of heightened consciousness. And then there's a forceful way. Pushti Mark and Mariana Mark. Right? So Ashtanga Yoga is like... That's enlightenment. This is the pathway, and I'm going to do it. And so the first series realigns the bone structure and cleanses the, the physical body, right? The second series cleans up your nervous system, purifies the nervous system. And advanced series strengthens everything up, and that's when you, you really start amping up your levels of pranayama. The byproducts of it is... You know, a clearer mind, a healthier body, a broader perspective of the world. You can kind of understand a little bit where everybody's coming from uh, a little bit better. And the community of, of, of practitioners is a very close-knit community because we all kind of understand where, we're, where we are at different parts through the practice. You know, we know that when you're doing second series, you know, it, you become, you're really heating up your nervous system. You know, that's how you purify, through fire, right? That's the, that's the purest way and the safest way. You know, you really worship fire. You do homo ceremonies. You're heating the body up from the inside to purify uh, your system. So you know, through, even through different postures, that you're going to have, you know, different uh, openings or mental breakthroughs, emotional breakthroughs. You're dealing with the, the body on, on so many different levels. So you really become a, a tight, very tight community, you know, with the people I spent in India. You know, it's like you grew up together with these people, you know, and, and you would see people, you know, having hard times and storming out of the shala. And, you know, having breakdowns and, and really, you know, really pushing it. And, and Guruji was a, uh, was a master at conducting that orchestra and knowing you so deeply. You know, we wear our emotions. We wear 
all our experiences we had, we wear it like like a cloth. You, you can yeah. read that, you know. It's all in vibrations. You vibrate at certain levels. And since he was teaching so long and, and practicing for so long, you get to understand that, you know. You, you may not realize it, but you have an understanding uh, of, 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 say, a person or, or an area. Uh, the vibrations stay in, in that person. They stay in different um, objects, like a stone, the mortis, different things that you worship. They have that vibration that stays in them. So if you're going to have a morti that you're doing a devotional practice through, that you identify with, you want it to be of metal or stone, so those vibrations are held in there. You know, when I, you know that, that hip slick uh, talk about, yeah, good vibes, man. Well, that's real. That's not made up. You know, when you're doing this practice, you have good vibrations. That's what makes it so attractive. You know, that's what made me so attractive to my guru. I saw that his vibrations were good, were honest, were pure. And that's what makes, you know, somebody attractive or something attractive. You know, it's like, you know, you're, you're searching for the truth. You know, let's get to the bottom of this. What is this all about? You know, what is this whole life, uh, birth, death thing going on here? You know, and when I started doing the practice with Guruji in particularly, bam, you know, it was, he's on to something, I want it. You know, and I'm going to do this practice to get it. So it, it, it's a forceful way of of getting that heightened consciousness, that level of enlightenment that, that you're searching for, you know. And that's available. It's available, and it's our birthright, you know, in this lifetime, you know, through that practice. And it can come in small increments or it can come right away. You know, but the byproducts of that practice, I think it makes you a better person. I mean, I think it makes you kinder. You have an understanding about uh, uh, people, you know, not to waste energy. It's all energy, you know. And and uh, I was listening to some of the other podcasts. They were talking about something that struck me about fear, you know, the fear of, uh, in the, according to the yoga texts, um, everything is related to dying, the fear of death. You know, and when you talk about today's society, about everybody wanting to get ahead in the big cities and make more money, more money, more money. Money is just energy that's outside the body. And when you have that, you feel a little more protected. It's a false sense of security that you're able to, uh, okay, I'm safe now. I won't starve to death because I have this money or I have this, all these things. And, and you, you, you surround yourself with these things. It, it's, an, it's an illusion. The whole thing is cultivating that energy and bringing it up, bringing it up your spinal cord, you know, and hitting the different chakras and different areas like that. So it's all about aligning and, and, and letting the flow of energy come through you to use you as a tool, use the body as a tool for that consciousness. That's, that's the end goal. 
So, yeah, sure, it's going to make you healthy. Yeah, it's going to keep you in great shape. Sure, you'll be able to eat whatever you want because you're burning right through it. You know, I, I, when I was doing advanced series and teaching all that time, I mean, I could eat a pint of ice cream a night and, <laughs> and not have any, you know, adverse effects because you're, you're running at such a high uh, temperature. You're just incinerating your food. It's just being used as fuel. That's one of the advantages, too. You get to have ice cream. <laughs> that's that's the, the benefits of it. Benefits of many. You know, point of focus. You know, keeping your focus. You know, say you, you, you want to achieve something in your life other than your, your practice or enlightenment. You will allow you to do whatever you want to do. To have that focus, it's available. You can have that one-pointed focus. And then the practice is, is a moving meditation, you know. It's a moving meditation where you're constantly focusing on this. You're thinking about God on a continual basis every single day for an hour to two hours. You're, you have the different energy locks in your body where you're not allowing your energy to escape because people can, people can sense that as well. If you're leaking energy, you know, they, they feel like they, they can come in and get it. So it, it teaches you, well, once you have this energy, to keep it and cultivate it, to work, your, work it inside of yourself. And you want to keep, you know, with the people that you're practicing with. I remember going to India for, for months and months and months, coming shot out of a cannon from India and coming into New York, and I couldn't go out. I couldn't go out of the house. I didn't want to go out of the house. It took me a period of time to adjust, you know, not being around my people and being in this in this environment that was really completely different from what that what I was used to. You know, and you're beaming with all this energy, and it's just what's happening in New York or L.A. or any major city. It's a concentration of people grasping at energy and stepping over each other to get this this energy that's out there. So it was very difficult uh, to make that adjustment. And it would take a week or so, and you would typically stay with people that have been through the practice. You just keep your friends real close. It's a very tribal type of environment when you really get down to the, the nitty-gritty of the Ashtanga Yoga practice. You stay... It's tr- you stay in your tribe, and you stay with the people that are, you feel comfortable with. You know, and I tried to impress upon that with uh, the students as well. Is you know, don't mix outside so much. You know, when you do, keep your bandhas, keep your your energy locks. You know, and keep the focus on on yourself. You know, remember your practice. Remember what you're working so hard for. And don't waste it. You know, don't waste it to cultivate your energy. You don't want it to just give it away or let it dissipate. Can you talk a little bit about breath and prana? The prana flows through your body. And you could, it's like people say, well, how come, you know, professional athletes, I would get this question, how come professional athletes aren't, have a higher level of consciousness? You know, they, they were, they're so flexible, these gymnastic uh, folks, you know, they're doing all these things, they're just like the yoga postures, 
because it's not about the yoga practice. The yoga practice is there to get to the level where you can do the pranayama safely. You know, if there's certain, you'll hear stories in, in, the, in the yoga community about people just going in, learning a pranayama series, not preparing the body and, and, and spinning out and actually losing touch with, with this part of reality because their body was not prepared. So the breath will help the prana or move the prana through your body um, very effectively. You know, that's what it's, that's what it's, that's what the Ishtanga Yoga method is. It's really the jumping around and, and all that business is really to get to the pranayama. You know, with the eight limbs of yoga, if you read them, uh, you know, there's asana and then pranayama, pratyahara, dhyana, samadhi. Samadhi. Now, these different levels are not just there for, you know, by accident. You want to do the asana first. You want to have a pure nervous system so the body can handle the amperage that you're going to introduce it to through the pranayama. So the pranayama will help force the prana through your nervous system. And some of it is very, very difficult uh, very difficult stuff. It's not. It's not uh, for 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 kids. <laughs> you know, it's not for the weak of of heart. You know, and they say pranayama is very effective, but if it's done incorrectly, they say death, insanity, or worse. <laughs> so it's it's serious business, and the Ashtanga Yoga system is a safe and effective way to your on your pathway to uh, increased consciousness or you know, enlightenment. And there's, you know, there's thousands of different uh, types of pranayama, you know. And I was lucky enough to have Guruji teach me uh, you know, some of the pranayamas. It's okay. a gift, you know, it's a gift. It's really special to be able to, uh, I was able to have that teacher, you know, and, and learn that from him. But that's, that's where, we're, where we're going with this. That's the next step after the asana. It's not, it's not the, the end-all, cure-all, the asana. It's a means to an end, useful tool. It has to be done. When you first started practicing, what was it that you felt or experienced that made you stop and say, aha, this is it? Yeah. So I, my father got sick um, he got cancer, and they gave him less than a year to live. So that was really my introduction to saying, hey, you know, I better get, because my dad was a reflection of myself. And I said, well, I'm not, I'm not going down this way. My dad was a World War II vet. He was in the Philippine uh, theater, uh, the South Pacific theater uh, in the Philippines. And uh, then he became a fireman. Now he was he went through a lot of stuff, and then I saw this real tough guy, you know, dwindle down, dwindle away to, to uh, you know, back to a child in diapers, and it was very difficult. And that's when I started looking at alternative ways of of healing, and because the you know Western medicine had given up, okay. You know, you have a year to live, and goodbye, and good luck. And I said, no, nah, it's not going to happen. 
we're going to find a way to cure this. So that's when I started eating vegetarian. I started juicing. I started think, think uh, I'd be at my dad's house five times a day, you know, uh, juicing, making sure he was okay. I started practicing yoga at that time. Uh, this was in 90, uh, 93 or 92. I was still a fireman. I was still into the gym. I would go to yoga a yoga class is only like one place on Long Island that had yoga. And she was a student of Beryl Bender-Birch who studied with Tim Miller uh, Ashtanga Yoga. She did the uh, power yoga, they called it. She took the Ashtanga Yoga series, called it power yoga, and, and that was the, the teacher that I had studied with this uh, gal. And I said, wow, this is, this is really something to it, you know? And... Um, I was a big guy. I was 200 pounds. I was in the gym all the time and started slowly doing the yoga more. And then I think in 97 is when I went into Jiva Mukti yoga for the first time. I saw, I saw the Aum on the window. It was on Lower East Side on Lafayette Street. And, and funny thing that the fire department medical office was right down the block. So I was in there and, and went up the street, and I saw this ohm sign, neon ohm sign in the window on the third floor. And I was like, oh, I wonder what that is, you know? I saw that in the yoga class. I don't know what, what it is. And then I went in uh, that morning, and I took a yoga class with um, Sharon or David, I'm not sure. And it, it blew me away. It blew me away. So much that I came back that night. I took another yoga class. Um, a few things happened, and I wound up leaving the fire service and, and getting, I, getting into, uh, and then I just uh, went to India and jumped fully into the yoga. But it felt to me like I was, like it was, I was underwater, like almost scuba diving. And that's the feeling I would have at a fire when, like, people were trapped. And it comes in over the radio uh, you, that you're going to a fire. We get, you know, dispatch would tell us they, they call 1075, which means a, a working structural fire. You know, they would come in, a report of people trapped. And then going into, a, you know, popping the door open and going in for a search, I would become real quiet. Almost like, like you're stuck in a scuba diving. Everything was in slow motion. And then all of a sudden, sometimes we would snap out of it, and then it would be, you know, the windows breaking and crashing and people screaming and the radio going on, and then sucked back into this alternate state where I was able to actually channel consciousness. You know, that point where I, I one time when I was going into a fire, and we got a report of, uh, it was a mayday, there was firemen trapped, and I told, we had found one uh, victim at the door and went in and uh, I pulled them out and there was still another person in there and I was going in to uh, get that other person. I knew I had the one more person, so I'm, I'm going up the line and then we had a mayday. So now we have three firemen trapped and I'm going up the line and something came over my, something came, said to me, go to the right. And I went to the right and there was... Uh, and it was slow motion. And then when I found the three guys, it was, you know, again, everything was fast and crashing. Okay. 
okay, and they were, okay, let's go. I grabbed them, and we were all able to get out and uh, handed them off at the door to uh, some of the guys that were there, went back in, and then it was again underwater, and go to the, go this way. And then I, I looked around the corner, and there was the fire going 1,000 miles an hour, and there was a woman there. I reached around. I just barely reached in, and I got an arm. And it was that sense of, you know, being connected, you know. He's doing God's work, and that's a very uh, special place to be. Wow. So you've always been connected to yourself and to God. You've always heard the voice. Even before well, yoga. It's funny, yeah, because my my mom was a Sunday school teacher. Uh, so I grew up, you know, going to church every Sunday, and my mom comes from a big family in the South, ten brothers and a sister. Her sister uh, married a minister, and five, of her, five, four or five of her brothers were ministers. And if they weren't ministers, they were deacons. So they were always, you know, like on the side of good. You know, and growing up, you know, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be the superhero guy. And a fireman was the closest thing I could get. You know, I always wanted to be a fireman ever since I was a child. I had my doubts when I was, you know, in my teens, you know, and and, and there was a lot of drug use uh, back in the day, all different types. My father made me take the fire department test. He made me take the fire department test. People started getting killed and, and overdosing and committing suicide. And I said, well, this isn't, this isn't where it's at. I can see that. Maybe that fire department test is not such a bad idea after all. But going back to that sense of connection to, to consciousness and having, having direct communication. I mean, it was, you know, where did that come from? It was like, go this way. I I'm just a regular guy doing a job. And I had this feeling come over me. And when I started practicing yoga, I had that same feeling. So I knew that that was, boom, I'm going to take this and, 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 and do this practice. And, and that's how I got to Mysore because uh, in Jiva Mukti, they had three, um, three gurus. One was Patabi Joyce, another was, um, and there was two other fellows. I forget. But Patabi Joyce was the only guy living. And when we had the break in the teacher training, that's when I decided to go to uh, India. And true to form, he, he pegged me right out. We had a connection. And I, you know, jumped in the saddle and, and rode it as long as I could. Yeah, but that was, that was the feeling. That was the same feeling. I had by by doing, you know, God's work. You know, I felt like I was. This was it, man. This is superhero stuff. This is no joke, no joking around. This is the the, the next level of body's going to experience. That's so beautiful. You know, an issue I see within society is a lot of people don't know the difference between God versus religion or God versus what they think the God is versus their definition of the God. Right. Why do you think that is? I I think what a lot of the yoga has is teaching you is to really look inside, look inside you, 
about yourself. Uh, it's self-study. It's a reflection. It's all, you know, pick up the, put down the magnifying glass and pick up the mirror. You know, it's really taking a good, hard look at yourself. And that's where change comes. You know, you can get on your soapbox and you can preach all this all you want. You know, at the end of the day, you're going home to yourself. And you're responsible for your own uh, acts, you know. And I think that's what it gets away from. Everybody, it's, it's easy to find, you know, a, have a bad guy, a punching bag, you know. It's his fault or it's her fault or it's that fault or this fault. You know, if we all really looked at ourselves, and that's, that's when the work starts. And sometimes it's a really hard look. It's a really hard look. You don't want to look at, at, at the demons that dwell within. You know? And we all have them. We all have them. You know? So I, th I think that's what um, my guess is, for trying to make a better society, you know, from here. It's, it's got to start, you know, when they talk about grassroots, grassroots is yourself, you know, is doing the, doing the hard work and, and helping a hand and doing... You know, a being a, a better, making society better. You know, you, you heard that when you go to a campground, leave it cleaner than when you left it. Well, that's, that's the basis for, for life, isn't it? You want to leave this society better than when you got here. That's, that's the idea. And if you're chasing bad guys around all the time, pretty soon you're going to run out of bad guys. And then you're going to have to look at yourself. So, you know, I, I made the conscious decision to, you know, just look at myself. <laughs> I, I'm not going to chase any bad guys around, you know. Is, uh, you try to make the changes within. And I think, um, I think everything would be, would be better. You know, it, it's been better for my life. You know, I can only you know, speak about my experiences, you know, and having run into burning buildings, and run into uh, Ashtanga Yoga, you know, full force. You know, I'm happy. I'm content with myself. You know, it, it, it's, you know, what, what is the seeking of pleasure is what causes pain. If you can just be content with the things that you have, that's really happiness, isn't it? It's being a, a, a contentment. You know, you eat your meal. You eat it with your heart and your soul. When you cook, you know, I'm a big proponent of, of cooking for yourself, taking care of yourself, you know. If you don't have food that, you know, you made yourself with love, you know, eat the food that, of somebody that loves you. Because that's going into your body. That's your fuel. It becomes you. It becomes you. So if you make it with love, that's going to be, it's going to vibrate. You have that certain vibration. If you're, you know, tapping your toes and you're, you know, you're, you're happily making, uh, doing your work, whatever it is, you know, chop wood, carry water, you know. I enjoy going out and, and collecting firewood and stacking it. it, it, it it's, a, it's a whole other practice. I'm in nature, you know. I don't have to, I'm, I'm fortunate, I'm blessed that, where I am, that I can do these things, and I really enjoy, and, and just getting that much more quiet, you know, the, 
you do your practice, you're really focusing on the inside, you're really concentrating your 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 sight, your drifty, your gazing point, you know, where your hands are, where your feet are, what your breath is doing. And then on the other end, you step out into nature and you start to listen and observe. And you take it all in. It's almost the complete opposite. So you're continually expanding your senses. And you'll be able to hear different things. You'll be able to see different things, you know, that the animals kind of, you know, take for granted, you know. And in, in India, it's, it's, it's just common knowledge that you wear your experiences and whatever you're doing on yourself. You vibrate those experiences. You vibrate that energy. And it's second nature to a lot of people there. If you go into the, into the forest, uh, the rural native people, they live in a very small little hut. They'll maybe have uh, some roots, you know, maybe a couple of days' supply of, of food, and they're happy. They're happy. They're content. They have that contentment, and you can see it on them. They're vibrating that contentment. You know, they understand that, you know, it's going to provide for them. They will be provided for. The forest, they are one with nature. It's not, oh, there's the park, and there's nature, and I'm going to go, and then I'm going to come back into this place. No. It's all one thing. We are all in this together, and it's all nature, and we live in accord with nature. For someone who is new to yoga or hasn't, experienced Ashtanga before or even know what it is, what would you suggest to them? They have a curiosity for yoga, but not sure where to, where to begin. Yeah, any place is a good place to start. See if you like what the teacher has. That's what got me. It's like, he's got it, I want it, and I'm going to do this. practice. There was no second guessing. There was no, oh, maybe I should and I shouldn't, you know. Do your due diligence, you know. Interview the teacher. Where have you studied? You know, what's the method? Can you tell me about it? And see if you connect. You have to have a connection with the teacher uh, and the method. And so I would say to somebody who is just starting out, uh, go, baby, go. You know, I, I am so enthusiastic about being people being successful in all parts of their life. You know, I want to be around successful people. And when I say successful, it doesn't mean you have a bunch of cash in the bank. Successful meaning you're doing what you want to do, and you're fully in it, you know. A half-step in this and that, uh, yeah, okay, great. That's, that's okay, too. For, for a personality... Like mine, I gotta be, I gotta be in the game, and I, I, I want the Sharon and David were wonderful teachers. And when I met Guruji, Patabi Joyce, it was like, oh boy, it was almost scary. He looked right through you, and that's you know, if I'm gonna be soul searching, right? If I'm gonna be looking at the inside, 
you know, I want to, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody who's on it. And if you're not sure if they're on it or not, and, you know, you're new to the yoga, you know, try it. You know, we're fortunate now that there's so much of it all over the place that, um, you know, a lot of it is being westernized. And I don't know if that's good or bad. It's just, you know, exposing more people to a practice that I, I got so much out of, you know, that I owe my life to. So I would say, you know, go for it, man. Go for it. And when you find somebody, just because you have a disagreement or you don't get what you want, you know, doesn't mean to give up. You know, don't give up. You know, stay with it. Uh, sometimes the teacher's not going to tell you what you want to hear, you know. That's not, you know, it's not a popularity contest to be a, a yoga teacher, you know. you you, you got to be, you know, people, I've had people, uh, you know, coming up from back bends, smack me in the face, somebody would kiss me, somebody would storm out of the room and, and come back. I mean, it's, it's it's not you know uh, like oh I'm gonna be a, a yoga uh, a teacher and everybody's gonna love me no that's not that's not uh, what's gonna happen is that person is gonna you know is helping you guiding you along a path so you can look at yourself so you can do the work you're the one that's doing the work so I would say to the new person do your do your research you know find out. Uh, and then uh, take a class or dedicate a, a, a specific period of time and, you know, put a, a stop-loss order in. Say, okay, I'm going to do it for a month. If I don't feel anything, uh, I'm going to move on. You know, that would be uh, something that I would say wouldn't be the worst idea. Give yourself a, a I'm going to do it for a year. I'm going to do it for a month. I, I did it for a long time. I, I found the teacher in BAM, and I stuck, stuck with him. Even though I didn't get the postures I wanted to get, even though he didn't move me along, you know, fast. I remember doing, I did second series, all of second series, for, you know, over a year, all the headstands. And I didn't see anybody doing that. You know, usually when you, in, after second series, there's seven headstands at the end of it, an intermediate. You do that for a couple of months, and then you'll get advanced series, and then start plowing through that. Well, for some reason, Guruji kept me on that series for a year. Every day, I'm frying my nervous system, and I was <laughs> I would lock myself lock myself in the uh, in my apartment. I wouldn't leave. I couldn't. My communication skills were completely gone. I was a raw nerve ending. You know, so this is some of the things that's going to happen. But you know that it's going to pass, that you will get through it. You know, there's no wasted energy there. There's no such thing as wasted yoga class where I wasted so much time. You know, it, it, it doesn't. It stays with you. All those lessons, all that time you put in. You put in the hard work, it's going to pay you back ten times. Um, I mean, there's a lot of teachers out there. You know, some of them have studied for a long, long time with some really great um, teachers. You know, some of them took, went down to the Bahamas and took a 30-day class. Okay, I don't know if that's okay or not, you know. But I know for myself that 
I went with got to go with your gut. You know, you got to go with your gut at a certain period of time, and then you got to let go. You got to let go and let the teacher uh, guide you. That's what a teacher does. You know, he guides you through this very tumultuous time, and you lean on him or her. That was one of the rewards of of teaching was seeing somebody get so much out of something that I loved, seeing them work so hard. It was just, I mean, that's the that's the that's the payoff. Is seeing somebody really dig in, and you know, I I remember I had this one fella, young guy. He says, "Oh, uh, I want to do work exchange so I can I can save up and go to India." I said, "Yeah, okay, sure, yeah, I'm going to teach you for nothing, and then you're gonna, <laughs> and then you're gonna go to save your money and go to give it to somebody else." <laughs> All right, I said, "Well, come on in, and I'll I'll, I'll talk to you." And I'm, I just finished up teaching. Um, you know, the, the room is sweaty and stinky. And I come outside, and there's this bright young fella bouncing up the stairs you know, with all that positive energy. And I just started laughing to myself you know, how selfish how I was being, you know. And how I, ma- I made a, a, you know, a, a predetermined uh, thought of what this uh, fella was all about. And, you know, I said, uh, okay, well, you're going to clean the shower. And, um, okay, well, I'll clean the shower. And then, uh, you know, a couple of times, well, I, hey, I can't clean it this week. And I said, um, y- yes, you can. And as a matter of fact, you're going to go over there right now, right now, and you're going to clean it. And I had to, you know, give him a, a kick in the ass because, that's what he needed at that time. Long story short, he winds up going to India. He got connected with uh, uh, a Sanskrit guru. Uh, he started assisting at, at the Shala in India, in Mysore. And I still speak to the fellow today. Every, every once in a while I get an email. So it's, it's that kind of... And I could tell just by the you know, way he was walking up the steps that, okay, I got it. You, I got it. You want it, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what I can to uh, facilitate that experience. Yeah, th- those are the types for sure. And that was me at the beginning of my journey. Yeah, yeah, it was all of us at the beginning of our journey. <laughs> <laughs> that have been around, you know, for the time, you know, and it's like, wow, there's, there's something to this, and uh, yeah. I, then that's, I think you hit it right on the head, uh, Chloe. I saw myself in this fella. Mm-hmm. I saw the thirst for the knowledge, for, for truth, the seeking of truth. I, it just made me, I just laughed like like anything. Okay, come on, let's go. Let's do this, you know. Did you study Sanskrit also? Yeah, I did. So would you share a little bit about the vibration and the kind of ancient tone that it carries in terms of when you say it out loud and how that affects the nervous system? Right. So the, the different mantras, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's spoken words, right? Before there was you know, a pen and paper and typewriters and, and what have you, listen to me, typewriters. Um, <laughs> before there was word processors and computers, no. That it was transmitted through vibration, and that vibration was through uh, the Sanskrit 
and the chanting in, in, in a rhythmical fashion, um, different meters. So you can chant it, it will vibrate into your body, and subconsciously it will get it. It's like, oh, yeah, right, okay, I get it. So you'll, you'll understand it at some levels if you can peel away different levels of your consciousness you'll get a full understanding before you study the grammar and can see it. Your body will get it. Uh, the vibrations will get it. You'll feel good. You'll feel right. You know, and different mantras are, are for different people. And that was part of the initiation into the Ashtanga Yoga system was, uh, you know, and that was when I, when you, when you ask your teacher for a mantra, that's when you're asking him to be your guru. You're asking him to be your teacher. So when I had it with Guruji, he gave me a, 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 a different deity uh, to worship. He gave me a mantra. We sat down and we chanted the mantra, me and him, uh, it, together. We sit across from each other and on, on the, the mala, on the, the beads, the mala beads. And you re- and I still say it to this day. I still have that uh, mantra, the Bidra mantra, uh, going in my head. And whether I'm cutting wood or uh, working on the house or in the market, if I get jammed up and there's too much uh, kinetic energy out there that I don't want to be a part of, I'll, I'll revert back to to that. That calms my down. It changes your vibration, right? It, it, it just completely takes over. It's like if you're not happy, if your body's not happy, you're going to slump in the chair, you're going to mope around, right? And that's the idea of the cleanse, of doing the asana. You put yourself in that position, and that's going to change your vibration. And that's going to be reflective and shown through your mood or your state of being. You will vibrate differently. And that's what the, the mantra does. It vibrates you. And the different, there's five different, I can go on and, and on, but there's five different uh, mouth, mouth positions and different, it's like a combination. It will open up different parts of your consciousness. When the mantra is vibrated properly. And the proper rhythm. There's a praising rhythm, there's a forceful rhythm, um, and you say different parts of it when you're saying different prayers or mantra to, to your, your deities. The Ashtanga Yoga Mantra, there, there's two, and one is the eight-beat Haritala, and the, uh, which is a praising meter, and then the other one is 11-beat meter, which is a, a forceful mantra. So we, we say that typically before our practice. You know, and I, I always thought that that was a good idea. You know, some some uh, times people pray before bed. You know, you hear that a lot. You know, before you go to bed, you say your prayers and thank you for this, thank you for that. But I think it's a great idea to say your prayers before you start the day. <laughs> help me to be a better person. You know, help me get through, through this day. You know, let me do all this stuff and get myself centered, get myself vibrating on the right level on the right frequency the rest of the day is the push 
you know. It, 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 it almost puts all your priorities in the proper order. You wake up, you say your prayers, you do your yoga practice, and then you go out there, and then you, you, you're cruising. Sometimes you feel like you're, you're walking you know, on air. You know, sometimes you have a hard time, and those are the, those are the good days, you know, when you have the hard time there, and you make it through you know, to practice another day. Well, but that's what uh, the, the Sanskrit is, is, does. It, it vibrates you. You get vibrated into happy and pleasant and good and godlike vibes, good vibes. Can you talk a little bit about kundalini and awakening and how and why and when it occurs? I can touch on it. Um, the serpent force, they call it kundalini, right? It's, it's that built-up energy inside of your body. Through the different practices, you can raise that level of consciousness. And that's what the Ashtanga Yoga does, right? You set the body up for all this business to happen. Because you want the body to be able to handle the voltage, right? So you have to purify the body, purify the nervous system, and then you can start amping up. And that's where your pranayama comes. You're cultivating that kundalini energy up the spinal column into your brain. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You get that, you know? And you know, if you look at if you look at a, a caduceus, the medical insignia, it's right there. Your spinal column, and then you have the ida and pingala uh, nadis, which cross your, the spinal cord. And each place it crosses is a chakra, right, an energy center in your body, which also has a different vibration, right. So you may have blockage in some of these. But if you're doing the practice, the Ishtanga Yoga practice, it will balance those out. You know, there's different methods uh, that people use. There's different techniques. You know, there's there's more than one way to get things done. Uh, The Ishtanga Yoga system allows for that possibility. And when you are ready, you will be meditated. Like some practices have, you know, uh, a meditation. You sit there and you chant this and, and... all is coming, you know. Like like I was saying earlier, is that we take it a, a little step further and say, "I want it. I'm going to get it. How am I going to do it? I need a, gu- a guide. I need a teacher." And it's all about raising that that level of consciousness and having an understanding about everything. That's what consciousness is. It's where we were. That's where we're going. That's what we are now. We have limitations in this in this body. It's the experience of going through that and the trials and tribulations you have that you've taken form and are, are, are limited on this plane of existence. Are you still teaching, James? I, I haven't taught in a couple of years, but I'm not opposed to it. I may start again after this whole pandemonium. It's funny that, that you called to do a, a talk because... Uh, two days before you called, I had gone on. I said, you know what? Let me get my old website back, and maybe I'll, I'll start teaching again. Um, I called up GoDaddy. I said, well, give me AshtangaYogaLA.com. Uh, somebody's holding the other one, .org, hostage. Okay, well, I have one. And then I, I said, okay, I'm going to bring my books up and, and set them up in my office. 
and then next day I get an a email from Al uh, that she wanted to talk. So, it, you know, at this point, I, I try to stay out of my own way. And if that's the yeah. way it's going, then I'm just going to let it happen. And that's what it seems to be going on. That's great. But it'll be up there, right? Is that where you're stationed it's, from I'm now on? Limited. I'm not limited anywhere. You know, I could go down to L.A., I could go to New York, I could go to Europe or Asia or or anywhere. Uh, I don't know. I guess that's the answer. Who knows? Mm-mm. Who knows? But I have a beautiful place that I could set up as a retreat center and, you know, do a little bit of the uh, Ashtanga yoga. And, um, you know, I would think this is probably going to uh, be a base, but... Um, yeah, I don't know where it's going to take me. And if I planned it and got what I wanted, I would have sold myself short a long time ago. Yeah. So I'm, <laughs> I'm learning to say, you know what, this isn't me. You know, who was that? What was that that said make a right turn because there's some guys in there, you know? Yeah. Somebody is, is, is uh, somebody, something is out there, uh, and I want to get to to that place, you know, and, and, and we are at that place. We just have to realize it, you know, that's the, that's the point, you know, to get out of your own way. That's what I tell myself, you know, get out of your own way, and uh, amazing things happen. Who would have thought, you know, a fireman from Brooklyn is going to be living in India, you know? The typical lifestyle for me, well, that type of person you're a fireman, right? You hang out with all firemen and cops, and you, you fight with the cops, and they fight with you, and then you take a, uh, a vacation a couple of weeks a year. You go to Florida. You have a cabin up in the – a family cabin up in the Catskills, and that's uh, that's it. That's that's the way you do. And it's a good life. It's a good life. I, I lived it. You know, it was my dad, and all his buddies were cops and firemen. But it – in a, in a moment, as soon as I, you know, was open to it, it was like a jet plane, just boom, gone. So be prepared. Be prepared, like the Boy Scouts say, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> be prepared. You never know. So that's that's my uh, now. I'm getting myself healthy, and uh, getting back into my practice. I have a couple of uh, injuries that I have to deal with. Um, and I'm working on that, and uh, I'm going to make myself available. That's great. I'm really happy to hear that. You're one of my favorite teachers, James, not just in how you teach, but the way that you carry yourself as well. So Thank you, let Chloe. me know. I can come okay. up. If you're in L.A., I'll show up. Really happy yeah, to hear I'm gonna, that. I'm going to put the website on. I'll let the folks know that, you know, what's happening from doing something and get some people together. Fantastic. You know, this practice has taken me all over the world. You know, I've taught in, in, in Europe. I've taught in Asia. I've taught in Central America and New York, L.A. Anywhere is, is the right place. Spreading the good word. Yeah. There's no wrong way to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in true yogi form, you are very hard to find. <laughs> I know he's in a mountain or a forest somewhere. <laughs> Someone has his number. <laughs> uh, oh, great. I'm ready to call. I'm ready to talk. 
Yeah, me too. We'll have to do this again. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Thank you, James. Thank you so much for your time. Have a rest of your day. It was a pleasure, and we'll talk soon, okay? Okay, sounds good. Bye-bye. Bye.